You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is time to take a look at the August issue of The Lutheran Witness. Hopefully yours made it to your mailbox this week, um, whether it's the paper copy, the hard copy, or the electronic edition. Uh, hopefully you received your copy this week and had an opportunity to peruse it. There are some really fine short articles that I think are very practical in this month's issue and uh coming up soon hopefully we'll have a chance to sit down with our managing editor of the lutheran witness pastor askins in uh in hopefully in just uh maybe in a week or so well it is uh we're going to take a look at one fantastic article for church musicians and pastors and how they collaborate we'll do that in just a moment thanks to concordia university wisconsin for your support of the coffee hour find out more about concordia university wisconsin at cuw.edu live uncommon so how do pastors and musicians choose hymns for the divine service i think I was intrigued by this question. It's a valid question. Do they just roll dice, draw straws? I'm not sure. So to help us with that, Dr. Mark Bender, he's a retired teacher and minister of music from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere. Dr. Bender, thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour. Thank you, Andy. And Sarah? Nice to be with you. I'm looking forward to the answer to that question. Too. <laughs> well, first, I must say congratulations on your retirement. Uh, recently celebrating 30 years of music ministry and uh, serving the saints there at St. Paul, uh, and, and now celebrating retirement. And here we are snagging you in the pulling you into the studio <laughs> as you're trying to enjoy retirement. Uh, because we want to talk about how pastors and church musicians choose hymns for the divine service. You wrote a fantastic article, by the way, and I think it's 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 short and sweet to the point very helpful insightful um whether you're a church musician or a pastor or a lay person who sings uh in the congregation on sunday mornings i found this very helpful um to understand that process and maybe it's just because i'm all about process but let's start with (laughs) hymns and and what role hymns play in the divine service i think i know what you are asking by the question uh but let me ask it this way. What role does the singing of hymns play in the divine service? Very good. Yes. Okay. Well, hymns, <laughs> hymns themselves, the text of the hymns play a variety of roles in the divine service. Uh, some proclaim parts of Scripture, either verbatim or in terms of poetic, versified form. Others offer words of assurance, uh, confession, proclamation, praise, prayer. Uh, Those roles could be filled by only speaking the texts in worship. Imagine going to church on Sunday, and maybe this has been the experience for some Mm -hmm. in COVID, and only speaking those texts. Now, not that the texts couldn't serve, but that, now getting to your question, really, how does the singing of the hymns uh, uh, play a role? The singing engages each participant physically, in ways that speaking does not. There are auditory and vocal senses that are heightened. Uh, More energy is required for concentration and breath support. And sung text uh, can touch the depths of our being. There's something about that combination of music, singing, and a text, a good text, that goes very deeply within us 
congregational singing of hymns and the liturgy unite the worshipers in a common proclamation of the text, and congregational singing creates a heightened dimension to the sound of the people of God at worship. Uh, I think we've all experienced that, you know, what that's like to communally be joining, especially when the singing is especially robust <laughs> and the like. Um, so that, those are some of the roles that singing of hymns in the divine service play. I personally love singing hymns in church. Uh, hashtag hymn nerd. And, and maybe there are other people who, who get the bulletin before they come to, or before they go into the sanctuary to sit down and they look through the, the list of communion hymns and determine where to sit in the congregation because they want to be able to sing certain communion hymns. So they have to like do some... <laughs> Math. logistics yeah of where to sit I don't know maybe I'm the only one that does that but but it, I love looking through the hymns and looking up on the hymn board and seeing which ones we're going to sing that day um, adding to my lists of favorites super fun so now how do those hymns actually get into the bulletin how are they planned uh, what does it actually look like to plan these hymns for a divine service well it all begins with the word of God it's a good place to start you know Luther said that music and, and he was including hymns here Music is the handmaid of the gospel. So the gospel in the broad sense, the word of God, is, is the beginning place. In liturgical Lutheran parishes that follow either the one-year or three-year lectionary series, the word of, the, of God is specifically the appointed readings for a particular Sunday, festival, or occasion in the church year calendar. So that's where it begins. It begins with God's word. Not my favorite hymn. Or, or whatever it might be necessarily. But the Word of God, that's, that's the point. Now, what might this collaboration or planning look like? I'm, I'm going to go somewhere, Andy and Sarah, where I didn't go in the article. And that is, uh, this is kind of maybe behind the, behind the curtain uh, where pastor and musician come together. First, the pastor and musician must be mindful that they are handling holy things, that is, the Word of God, the liturgy, the sacraments, the leading of God's people and their worship of the triune God. So this, this, they are on holy ground. They're preparing for that, that coming together of God's people. Pastor and church musician must also be on constant guard against intrusions by the devil, the world, and their own sinful flesh, particularly this last one, our own sinful flesh, as it manifests itself in one's pride of place or abilities, including one-upmanship of the other, jealousy, and the like. Uh, I'm not going to give any examples. I, none comes to mind just offhand, but I think the temptation is very real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... Um, that that will get to a point a little bit later, but uh, in in terms of what happens in the chancel and what happens from the balcony, if that's in the back, need to be a common expression. Uh, have to both have to be serving, proclaiming the same message. And uh, also, the pastor and musician must see the other as a redeemed and forgiven sinner placed by our Lord Jesus in service together at this time, in this place to these people. And I've, I will confess that there have been times uh, I've had colleagues, not necessarily just not pastors, but other teachers or others, you know, and 
with whom I'm not necessarily always agreed, but I come to the conclusion that for whatever reason, God put that person and me in common ministry together at this time. And so that's his purpose, and so uh, that's something that needs to be recognized and my own sinfulness uh, confessed and the like, and seeing this other person um, through Christ-like eyes in that regard. Sufficient advance planning to provide appropriate time for each individual to prepare to lead in worship. The pastor needs time to prepare sermons and his sermon and uh, whatever else needs to go into that, that day's liturgy. Uh, the musician needs time to select music and, and certainly uh, to rehearse, to practice, for her to practice uh, privately as well as if uh, she's in involved with choirs to have time for them to uh, to rehearse and prepare. I, I do know there have been ex- times when pastors, for whatever reason, would not would pick the hymns but not give them to the musician until Friday, or the musician would find them on the organ uh, on Saturday morning when the person went up to practice. Well, there's not enough. There's, there's, first of all, there's no collaboration there, really. And at the same time, there's a lack of respect in terms of preparation. Now, I know some pastors have said, well, I don't know how the Holy Spirit's going to move me until a certain point. I want to give him as much time as possible and, and the like. Now, I'm, not going to, <clears throat> I'm not going to judge that, but I think if you're talking about collaborating, you owe it to one another to give adequate time to, to prepare. <clears throat> and finally, just before we go on to, uh, further on, each one should be respectful of the other's role and attendant responsibilities. So that's more or less touching on the same thing we were just talking about. Just be respectful of what the musician needs to prepare, how the musician needs to prepare, and how the uh, pastor does too. There's an interesting thing that has been happening, and that is uh, oftentimes I would go early on Sunday morning to, to warm up and so forth, but I'd also find a pastor in the pulpit also warming up. <laughs> and so it was it was always interesting somehow the two of us could do that uh, at the same time but uh uh that's kind of an aside but it's it's, <laughs> it's an anecdote there. It's warm up time in the balcony and in the pulpit. <laughs> Pastors warm up too. Well that's yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That is the gears are turning now, and I have a ton more questions, and I know we only have so much time to address them. Um, it, it, just the, the collaboration alone, understanding, one, understanding what, what office in which you're given to serve and, and what office you're, you know, your, your partner is given to serve in, whether it's pastor, church musician, or, or whatever uh, vocations you're given, what, what is that that vocation? What role does it it serve in the the divine service and and also in the planning as well? And understanding each gifts, you know, what's in your wheelhouse and what's not, and mm-hmm. um, to, so that and and why respect that? Well, one because God has given us to respect that. But two, when you respect that, you can get to better results, right? Uh, when you collaborate and work together, rather than the power struggle of well, I'm in charge. <laughs> and that brings to mind the fact that. The preparation to become a pastor is different than the preparation to become a church musician, but it's helpful if one knows enough about the other mm-hmm. so that 
there is that understanding and respect, uh, knowing where the lines are, and at the same time, the pastor understanding something about being a church musician and the church musician understanding something about the pastoral office and especially in terms of leading of worship. That's why I'm so thankful to see something like, uh, to see David's harp growing, Mm -hmm. uh, this um, organization for building up conservatories, music conservatories in congregations across the country to help develop that that formation of musicians. And I'm sure that includes church musicians as well, but from a a godly perspective. Mm Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. We have more to talk about. We need to take a quick break. We'll continue the conversation with Dr. Mark Bender. He's a retired teacher and minister of music from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere. wrote a wonderful article in the Lutheran Witness this month, How Do Pastors and Musicians Choose Hymns for the Divine Service? We'll continue the conversation on The Coffee Hour in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Goldseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Today we're talking with Dr. Mark Bender. He's retired teacher and minister of music from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere. Wrote a wonderful article in the Lutheran Witness August 21 issue, How Do Pastors and Musicians Choose Hymns for for the Divine Service? Uh, You've been doing this for 30 years as a church (laughs) musician. Tell us about some of the resources that have been helpful to you throughout your ministry as a a church musician. Well, uh, I've been doing this for 30, just a quick correction. It's 52 years, but that's that's right. That's okay. okay. 30 30 years at St. Paul's. Um, And I did have 47 really wonderful years, no, 17 very wonderful years in Indianapolis Mm -hmm. at Trinity Lutheran congregation there. And few years during college too so serving as an organist so but back to your question uh when in when i began we were using the lutheran hymnal and there was a very helpful guide it was also the one-year lectionary was the the lectionary that was in use and there was a helpful guide by ralph gerke called planning uh the service it was published by concordia publishing house and it was one, I believe it was a one page each to each dedicated to each Sunday, uh, with with summaries of the readings, hymns, and things like that. So to give some kind of thought starters and so forth, and that's what we used for a long time. With the coming of the uh, with LSB and uh, the three year lectionary L- LW and LSB and the three year lectionary. Uh, Concordia Publishing House uh, began to develop materials uh, for church musicians to guide them. But, uh, and those have been helpful too, but the one that they are offering now I think is the premier 
one. Um, if you if you happen to have the paper copy of the Lutheran Witness, it's on the inside front cover, a full page ad called uh, "Worship Planning Book." Uh, I can't say enough about this, how helpful it is. It's a two-page, two pages are dedicated to each Sunday in the church year, or if there's a particular festival or an observance, and there the readings that are listed. Uh, there are summaries of a theme that binds the readings together, the psalmody for the day. Um, there are a list of uh, read of hymns that are connected or associated with the readings, and so you'll uh, you'll if you look at the list of hymns, uh, you'll see hymns, and after them O T. Well, these are kind of pick up themes of the Old Testament and other for epistles, and then for gospels. So already, for the the pastor or church musician uh, who has this guide in hand, uh, some direction can be be given. So let me just take a moment to back up. So I didn't really answer your question before the break. Uh, so on a given Sunday, if we were to sit down to prepare, uh, first of all, we in, in our congregation, all three pastors had a copy of this booklet book and uh, the, the three main musicians also. So six, we had a six issue or six copy subscription each year. And so each of us could work individually ahead of head and see common ideas. And then when we come together to bring those thoughts together, uh, we've got that, that starting point and the guide that we need. And, I, and one, of the, one of the musicians who also received one was our handbell director because in this, uh, they also uh, reference handbell music, so as well as choral and keyboard uh, organ music and the like. So uh, this on two pages, uh, the people who are planning uh, worship, especially this is with the three-year lectionary, have common information uh, to begin to focus their uh, preparation. And so in our case, what our, has been our habit is that we first of all have the pastor who's going to preach decide on which text he's planning to focus. And if helpful, give us a theme, too. Uh, and then from there, we can begin to do our work, pulling together uh, choral music, uh, organ music, start to think about hymns that might might support that uh, theme of the day. And then we come together and uh, try, and we work together and put the whole liturgy together, choose which hymn might best work as the opening hymn. Uh, the hymn of the day is uh, the hymn that's chosen uh, to be the theme hymn for the, for the day, but it might not always be where we use it. We may say it might fit somewhere else uh, better in the context of the big picture of what, where the liturgy's going, as well as then hymns for distribution and if they're in a closing hymn. So all of that comes from this First of all, what begins is individual preparation, and then this collaboration as we come together and and uh, put the, these elements into the structure of the liturgy itself. Then we also uh, want to review and proofread it. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> other people will for you if you don't. That's right. That's the best way to see the mistakes. Run 500 copies and then... You... Then you'll find them. Right. So so there are a couple of things just in general. We have on the, on the individual Sunday scale, it's the pericopes, the appointed lessons, the psalmody, hymns, and so forth. But Widening out from that, we have the season of the church here that we're in that we want to be respectful of, the liturgy that we're using um, on a particular Sunday, or in our case, we choose a particular liturgy, for instance, a divine service, and we use it for a period of months uh, so that people become very familiar with with that, and then we'll switch to another one. Um, We also still use uh, matins one Sunday of the month, when we don't have the Lord's Supper, that keeps that office uh, and its own shape and and feel uh, alive in our congregation. Is there a um, a process to deciding which hymn goes where? Is it kind of just like, oh, I think this one fits here, or is there an actual way to to decide which hymn fits in in which slot? In uh, in the liturgy, part of it's part of it's a, uh, is a sense of feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's as you look at the them, and sometimes the the pastor will say, you know, I really like the hymn of the day, and let's just use it right there because it really flows nicely into where I'm going with the the sermon. Other times we'll say, well, let's let's move the hymn of the day to the start of the service because it sort of sets the theme. But there's another hymn that the pastor really wants to have leading into the sermon. Um, also, oh, I forgot to mention, we have a hymn of the month. Oh. And so that hymn of the month is chosen, um, and then it's, we've tried to use it every weekend through the course of, the, of that month. And so sometimes it appears as the opening hymn. Sometimes it appears as the hymn of the day if it fits there. Uh, it often will appear in distribution. And so over the course of a month, four or five Sundays, uh, the congregation becomes more and more uh, deeply involved in the text of that particular hymn. We have just a couple minutes, about about three minutes left <laughs> or so. Um, what about educating the congregation about the the history of the hymn or the background, the, the story behind the hymn. Do you ever do that? Do you find ways to, to incorporate that into how you've served? Well, we can do, we are doing this right now with our hymn of the month mm-hmm. uh, because we have a short little paragraph or so that gives some background as to who wrote it or what that, per, who that person was, what he was doing, she was doing. Um, the context, perhaps it's all within a in a paragraph or so, but at least uh, that's one way. Uh, in our school, we have hymn studies, which the upper grade, four grade, four grades of students study as part of their music education. Um, but all of this, I think, is helpful because it unites us with Christians um, at other times, present and other times, uh, who are responding to the Word of God and His activity in their own lives. Uh, many of their joys and sorrows, anticipations, longings, and so forth that are expressed in these texts are often our own, too. And so we have that, that uh, sense of family and understanding uh, there, too. Now I want to go like 
study a bunch of hymns. You're making a hymn nerd out of me. I have the books at my desk. We can we can pull out the the hymnal companion and just read through it. Well, this is <laughs> this is very insightful. I think whether, as I mentioned earlier, whether you're a church musician, a pastor, or a layperson on Sunday morning, wondering how did why do we have this hymn today? Why are we singing this hymn? Um, all wonderful insights and very helpful, Dr. Bender. Thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today, and for the great article you've shared with us in the Lutheran Witness this month. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Sarah. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.